0: All right, you guys can have a seat. Welcome again to those at home who are watching us and possibly listening in their, their cars outside. You all can go ahead and open up to Hebrews chapter 2. That is where we will be this morning. And as you open up to Hebrews chapter 2, what a world we live in. I would like to say that what we're seeing now and what has been happening is something new, but unfortunately this has been happening since sin entered the world. And just on a side note, we just sung about this God who in Hebrews 2, which we're not going to get there this morning, you have to come back Thursday night or watch Thursday night as we unpack the rest of chapter 2 of Hebrews, bless you. Greg had mentioned it earlier that Jesus, God's Son, the supremacy of the Son over all angels, all prophets, everything, was made perfect through his suffering on the cross, and he's crowned with honor and glory to bring many sons to glory. Right, like this, this offer is available to all people. No matter their skin color, no matter their religion, that in Christ, when He becomes your Savior, you put your faith and trust in Jesus. From whatever background you come from, rich or poor, city or country, North America, South America, he do, He's done a work to bring His sons, and ladies, don't get confused, that it doesn't say daughters. Because it's even greater than if He just said daughters because the son gets the double portion of the inheritance. And so in calling us sons and bringing sons into glory, what he's saying is you get it all. You get it all. And this has nothing to do with our genealogy. Nothing to do with where we grew up, what street we live on, what grades we made, what job we have, what color of skin, how much melatonin is in our skin whether we vote one way or the other. I can't help but remember Jesus saying that he will, they will know you are my disciples by what? By love. And I'm heartbroken because I see people hurting And I see people looking for answers. And I see people filled with hatred. And I see people filled, Christians, not loving one another, not willing to lay down their rights because they have to make their voice heard. Because they have to have their opinion. And I'm just sick and tired of it. We're called to love. Why? Because Jesus loved us. Because he brought in many sons. Not just Western Christianity. Not just the white suburbs. But regardless of your background, Greek or Jew, slave or free, he brought us in. Now, I wasn't planning on sharing that with you, but the Lord just laid that on my heart. Because as I'm worshiping and I'm seeing God bringing his people, and today what we're talking about is drifting away. And oh, what a reminder it is that so many in the church have drifted away. That our allegiance is first to the King and to his kingdom. Our allegiance is to Jesus first, no matter what. if we would believe that, I think we would see our world change. So, intro number two. (laughs) You ever forgot something? Are you a forgetful, forgetful type of person? Uh, who in here and at home has, has lost their keys? And if I would pull you, where did you find your keys? You, you might say, "Well, in the ignition. The last place you looked. I don't know how many times I've lost my keys and end up finding them where I didn't think they were because that's where I left them. But if I have this hook in our house and if I just hang them up when I come home, just hang them up. They're always there, right? But we're forgetful people. How about your, if you wear glasses? You ever forget your glasses and like, can't find them? Where are my glasses at? Right. How many of you have had them like on the top of your head? And you are looking and you just don't know where they're at and then you're like, wait a minute. I've got a better story than that. I've probably shared this before, but I work with a guy named Mark and, and uh, he's a good friend. And... Uh, I was working with him um, in construction and he was wearing glasses and, and he was all of a sudden frantic. Rob, Rob, I can't find my glasses. And he's looking around. And I'm, like, I'm like, okay. And I start looking around because like, you know, in construction, if they're on the ground, you step on them, they're kaput and you're in trouble. If you can't read a tape measure, it's really difficult to do your work. And, and so we're looking around. And I all of a sudden, I just look at Mark. And I said, Mark, I found your glasses. <laughs> and he looks at me. He's like, where are they? I'm like, you're wearing them. Not, not on the top of his head he was wearing them <laughs> i said maybe it's time for a new prescription no, I'm not we're a forgetful people we forget things all the time we forget names we forget our grocery list right like you have your groceries you know and you, you get out of the car i live literally five minutes from frike's and i get there i'm like what did i come here for so easy to forget i also think it's easy to neglect these are similar ideas it's easy to neglect things like if we don't take care of our vehicles right did you ever grow up in a home where dad changed the oil every three thousand miles and uh he would always take you and say you know you're gonna watch me change the oil like my dad did this with me to show me how to do it and i'm so thankful for that because i learned a lot about working on cars myself and here's the thing if you don't change the oil in your car you know what will happen to your car it will stop working. It will lock up and leave you stranded on the side of the road. Not that I'm s- saying this from experience. Or maybe I am saying this from experience. With a car full of kids. Didn't know the car burned that much oil. Apparently it does. If you don't take care of the things in our cars and we neglect them, they will eventually fail us. Let's look at Relationships relationships we have with one another like they require work right it means you have to pick up the phone and text or call and you have to set appointments to spend time with people it means you have to cut time out of your schedule to spend time with people and yet we can let those relationships go on and on now granted we do have those friends right that you can pick up after having not talked to in months and you pick up right where you left off and they are a gift from god but looks at our closer relationships. What about our marriages? And I don't stand up here without fault and without error. I was talking to, uh, to James on the way in, and, and uh, I was talking about James, or John 15. I was kind of reading that this morning. And this is the, I am the vine and you are the branches. And I want to get to this later at the end of the sermon, but, but you know how you make a vine healthy is you trim it. You cut off the parts that aren't producing Sometimes you have to cut off a whole section that is drawing nutrients but not producing fruit. And you know what I thought this morning? I was like, man, pruning is necessary for, healthy, for a healthy vine. But it's not always the easiest thing to do, and, and it's probably quite painful, at least for you and I. I don't think it's painful for the vine. And in our relationships, how many of us in our marriages don't pursue that relationship the way that God intended us? We neglect it. Why do you think the divorce rate in our country is up and continuing to rise? In fact, it's actually probably going down. You know why? Because people aren't even getting married. But Christians, listen to this, even the Christian divorce rate has risen and gone even as high, if not higher, than those without Christ. When you neglect something, it falls into disrepair. Do you know where I'm going with this? I'm talking about our faith and our relationship with Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul, he tells the Corinthian church, let's get back to what's of first importance. And you know what he says? He talks about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Of first importance. There's many things that can take priority in our lives. And if anything, this pandemic has taught us that God can strip away these things that we felt like were so important. And yet many of us will still lose this opportunity to put our relationship with Jesus at the center. Jesus has to be first in our life. Because it's when he's first in our life that we can look at this world and the mess that it's in and we can love people the way that Christ loved people, not the way that my parents want me to love people, not the way that I think I should vote, not because I think I should have the right to bear arms or not. but because Jesus loves these people. And it's an easy thing to drift away. So let's get into our, our text. Um, I want to share with you as we do this, we're going to get to Hebrews eventually. I want to share with you real quick a couple of scriptures, stories, narratives that we see in the scriptures of people forgetting and forgetting god and drifting away and his warning to him so deuteronomy 8 it'll be on the screen you can follow along if you'd like to and i'll try to cruise through this this is the nation of israel this is Moses' sermon after all these events have happened and the nation of israel is established and he goes through in chapter 6 john had talked about this his family discipleship that you shall love the lord your god with all your heart mind soul and strength and you'll love your neighbor he says you will teach your children this you will write it on your foreheads and write it on your hearts What a call for family discipleship. As parents, we pass this on to our children. We can't make them believe, but we can share our faith with them. So he gets to Deuteronomy 8, and he's like, listen, of all the things that you've gone through, how God had this marvelous plan to raise up a nation, to make this nation thrive in in the midst of of slavery and oppression, and then have all these miracles happen, to pull them out of Egypt and move them into the promised land. Can you imagine being there and seeing all these miracles? Like, like there's people on the internet and people at churches that, that do miracles. I say that very hesitantly. But can you imagine seeing this staff turn into a snake before your eyes? Can you imagine seeing this plague come across? And, and the, the, the worst of all the plagues, the death of the firstborn... And you see all of Egypt howling in the wind because they're in so much pain because their firstborn was gone and firstborn of everything. And then after this, you're moved out of Egypt and they're, they're bearing down on you. And what does God do? You're afraid. You're up against the sea and here comes the army and you have no weapons. And God opens the sea and you cross the sea and he collapses the sea on the Egyptians. And then he's with you in the desert and he leads you by fire at night and smoke in the day. Amazing things are happening. And yet, here's what happens in Deuteronomy Moses reminds them. Listen, this is a reminder to you and I too. Deuteronomy 8, verse 1, he says, The whole commandment that I command you today you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you, and he let you hunger and fed you with manna. And you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone. Have you heard these verses before? But man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Verse 4 says, Your clothing did not wear out on you. Wouldn't that be nice? As a parent of teenagers, or one teenager and I just bought shoes last month, and he's already outgrowing them. I relate with this. This your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and hills in a land of wheat and barley of vines and fig trees and pomegranates a land of olive trees and honey a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity in which you will lack nothing a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper and you shall eat and be full and you shall bless the lord your god for the good land he has given you it's a lot of good things going on isn't it After all God's already done, he's saying, listen, don't forget, remember me, because look what all I'm going to do. Like, this is the story of America, if I can be quite honest. And Now, it's not, but it's very similar in nature, isn't it? Let's go on. He says, take care, verse 11. Lest you, what? Forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today lest when I have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied then your heart will be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. Let's just pause there for a second. The problem with the United States which I'm I'm love. My dad served, my grandpa served I'm thankful that we can sit here this morning in worship and freedom and not have to worry about anything happening to us. The problem is, we don't need God. You could never never come to church again. Don't do that. Please come back every week. Come back on Thursday nights. I'm going to get to this in a minute. And you could have your job, and you could have your 401k, and you could have your, your house and your vehicles. Never have to go without a meal. You could go through all your life and not need God. Do you see the danger in that? Do you see that the life of the Christian is often one of suffering and struggle? Why? Because God has a way of making us rely on him and not on ourselves. Do you see how easy the Israelites drifted away that God had to say, don't forget. Who is the giver of all these good things? I am. Don't forget. Remember the Lord your God. He goes on. And he says, don't, and forget, don't forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Verse 17, Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. And, you for, and if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. God had to remind the Israelites of all the things that he did for them. Don't forget the Lord your God. You will have a great nation. Don't forget the Lord your God. And guess what happened? They forgot him. And guess what happens for you and I? We forget him. Revelation 2, let's jump ahead here. This is to one of the churches in Revelation, the church in Ephesus, which Paul planted, which no longer exists to this day. Church in Ephesus, he writes this in Revelation 2.1, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Verse 2, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles. And are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. The Bible is full of warnings for you and I to not forget our God. And not because of all the things that he so graciously gives us, but because of his son that he gave you and I to bring us into life, to give us the full inheritance. David Platt, he's a pastor, and he shares a story, which I will paraphrase and absolutely butcher. You can look it up on YouTube. And he talks about how he was in seminary, and he had no money. He says, I had no income, no cash flow, nothing in the account. But I was engaged and my my bride, my bride-to-be, was was a teacher. And guess what? She had a savings. She had a full-time job. She had cash flow. And he said, I was standing there getting ready to say I do, and she comes and I'm thinking, wow, what a beautiful bride. And the moment that they put their rings on their fingers and they made their vows to each other and they said, I do. He said, guess what? I had cash flow. I had a savings account with money in it. Because when the two became one, when they united their lives together, all that she had was his and all that he had was hers. And he says "Then in Christ, the inheritance we talk about, that he gives us his inheritance, he brings us into his inheritance, like you're, you don't have a cash flow. You don't have a bank account. You don't have savings. You're not even in seminary. Yet you're the bride of Christ, and the bridegroom brings you in, and all that he has, you have. That's amazing. That's wonderful. God is so good. So we are warned not to abandon the love that we had at first. You remember that moment that you knew Christ was your Savior? Like, I love new Christians. Like when someone comes to Christ and, and they have been walking far from the Lord and God gets a hold of their heart and they just surrender to Him, like you can't keep them quiet. Like they want to tell everybody. they want to read the Bible all the time, pray all the time. And it's so exciting. Do you remember that moment in your life? And then what does life do? It's hard. It's struggle, it's not easy you get bitter and you get resentful and you get hurt and you put up your walls and you wonder god if you are there then why and you struggle in your prayer life and you pick up the bible and like i'm not sure what what this means i'm going to try to read it and yet we slowly drift away from our first love now we get to hebrews the author of Hebrews, writing to this church full of Hebrews. And if you want to open a Christian coffee shop, I say, this is a great name, Hebrews. Just You can take that and run with that. And he's writing to the Israel nation, these Israelites who have become Christians and are struggling with, is Jesus the son who's greater than the angels and the prophets who we held so high? And he writes to this church full of Jewish Christians. And he has to remind them, he says this. Hebrews 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to his will. So if you remember what John preached last week, go back and listen to it again and again and again. You'll see that what he tried to unpack was, all this nature of christ in the first chapter of hebrews of who he was now he was greater and more supreme than all others before him that he was indeed the son in fact hebrews 2 is the first moment we see the name jesus because we have to establish his sonship first and then we say it's jesus and they're looking back at all the old testament scriptures and how they all are fulfilled in jesus He says, if what you believed about God was delivered to you through angels and the angels that God used to speak to the prophets and they would write down like the Ten Commandments that Moses got from the angel. If you believe those to be the law and you believe the prophets who God spoke to to deliver the law to you and that's how you receive salvation, now that one's greater than those is here. If you neglect it, it's even... It's even worse, right? It's one thing to reject Christ, but I think it's even worse to ignore him after you have tasted the goodness of God to walk away. And so he's warning us. Therefore, because of this great salvation, one that we couldn't imagine, we couldn't picture, we could never come up with, but God did, and he did it for you and for us in Christ. He says we must pay close attention Right? Like when you buy a piece of furniture or a car part, you now guys, you have, to, you have to know, we don't read directions until after we put it together and we feel like, I've got a few more bolts left here. It's not quite working right, right. We have directions and we have to read through those directions to know exactly how to put things together to make them work. And we have God's book here showing us this. We have to pay close attention. You know why we have to pay close attention? Because there are people out there who claim to know Christ, yes, I'm going to say it, and are false prophets, who are false witnesses. And they say things about Christ that just aren't true. They say things about God that are not biblical. And so you must pay close attention so that you are not pulled away because our hearts are, in themselves, easy to be drawn away. John Piper says this about this great salvation. It's not as if he's saying, don't neglect your arthritis or don't neglect your dandelions or don't neglect your spinach. He's saying, don't neglect your salvation, your great salvation. So it's as if he said, don't neglect your steak dinners, don't neglect your cancer healing therapy, don't neglect your sunrises and sunsets, and don't neglect your butterfinger blizzards or your new baby smile or your rocky mountains, or your boundary waters, breezes under the full night sky, or your safe, warm bed. It's like that. He says only, what is it really, this great salvation? What is he really saying is, don't neglect being loved by God. Don't neglect being forgiven and accepted and protected and strengthened and guided by Almighty God. Don't neglect the sacrifice of Christ's life on the cross. Don't neglect the free gift of righteousness imputed by faith. Don't neglect the removal of God's wrath and the reconciled smile of God. Don't neglect the indwelling Holy Spirit and the fellowship and friendship of the living Christ. Don't neglect the radiance of God's glory in the face of Jesus. Don't neglect the free access to the throne of grace. Don't neglect the inexhaustible treasure of God's promises. This is a great salvation. Neglecting it is very evil, but don't neglect so great a salvation. I remember we went to the beach last summer with my family uh, and we survived. And it was fun. We got to go to the beach and catch crabs at night and go out in the waters and wade. And it was even in the Gulf, which is a lot more docile than the East Coast and certainly more than the West Coast. And if you get out to the West Coast, you'll know that they put up flags and they say they're rip currents. You know what happens in the rip current? If you're not careful, you get out there, and what it does is it doesn't pull you closer to shore. It pulls you further out into dangerous waters. And I remember being with my kids, and, you know, like, I never thought I'd be that dad who was, like, wanting my kids to wear helmets and, you know, protect them. So I never wore a helmet. I turned out fine, right? Debatable. Debatable. And you get out there, and it kind of dips, and it comes back up. And if you're not paying attention, sooner or later, you look back where your stuff is on the beach, and it's 100 yards down that way. And you've got to try to get back to the, to, the, to the beach so you can walk back up. It's a slow and subtle drifting. Um, if you're in a ship, and you have a course, and you plot your course, if the winds aren't right, and your, your anchor's not right, you will drift off course. And before you know it, you don't know where you're, you're at. This is what the Hebrew writer is talking about, how we drift. I'm going to share with you real quick three ways that we drift and three ways that we can avoid drifting. The first way we drift is our hearts. Now, I know you think you've got a nice little good heart in you, and I think there is a lot of goodness in you, but I also know what the Bible says, and I know my own life. Jeremiah 17, 9 says this, The heart is deceitful above All things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And I want to say, No, that's not right. And then I go home and I'm me, and I'm like, It is right. Martin Luther said that the heart is an idle factory, meaning that it's we're so quick to put things on the throne which Jesus surely and rightly should sit. Even good things. You see, our hearts sometimes aren't longing for the things of God, they're longing for the things of this world. My prayer is that that our hearts, we would understand that we should always, by the help of the Spirit, be pursuing Christ because he's worthy and avoiding that our hearts would lead us to places we can't go. So our hearts drift. And I would ask, where has your heart been drifting lately? Someone, some person, something, some idea. Where is your heart drifting? The second way we drift is our minds. Our minds can wander, and they can look into certain things. And it's very closely connected to the hearts, but I remember what Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 12, verse 2. He says, Do not be conformed to this world. And I see a lot of conformity. I see a lot of churches that look just like the world. I'm not going to apologize for Jesus. I'm not going to apologize that he is the reason we're here. And I often know that my mind sometimes likes the things of the world. Do not be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed. It's a metamorphosis. It's the same word that we get when you put a caterpillar and it goes into a cocoon. And then just a couple weeks later, what happens? It sprouts these beautiful wings and it flies away. We are to be transformed. By the renewal of what? Our minds. We have to continually, by the power of the Spirit and His Word, renew our minds. And why is this important? That by testing, you may discern what the will of God is. What is good, acceptable, and perfect. Doesn't that sound good? Wouldn't it be nice if you could make those decisions every day of your life? Good, acceptable, and perfect? I know I would. The third way that we drift is our very lives. And I immediately go to Hebrews chapter 10. And I'm not going to preach on this because someone will preach on this this summer. But it's so important because here's what he says to this church He says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. We are to stir one another up, encourage one another, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. You know, you stop coming and gathering for church, you start drifting. But encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. There's beauty in community. There's beauty in gathering of the saints for worship. And then he says in Acts 2.42, the beginning of the church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Does that sound familiar to anyone? So something like you have done recently, maybe last week, maybe in this very day last week. So, I jumped ahead. This is how we keep from drifting. It's also why we drift. We don't gather. How do we keep from drifting? We keep from drifting from gathering with the church. Right? If you go on our Facebook live feeds, everyone's like, good morning, I miss you, right? Like, w- there's this, this fellowship that only comes by the, the by being united to Christ, that in him we have all things together and so we're united and we care about one another. So how do we keep from drifting? We keep from drifting by gathering together for worship. Again, Hebrews 10 comes to mind that we wouldn't just abandon the gathering, that we would make it an important place. No, church doesn't save you, but church edifies you and it sanctifies you and it's one of God's primary ways to disciple and teach you and grow you in your faith. And it's not just me or Sean or John or Alan preaching to you. It's you praying for one another, asking about your week, knowing one another that comes to worship. So we keep from drifting by gathering and devoting ourselves to the apostles teaching. The second way we keep from drifting is we have to be people of the Word. We have to be creatures of the Word. Like, God has spoken right? What we learned last week, and how has he spoken? Through this. You want to know God? Read this. You want to know his will for your life? Read this. Again, Romans twelve two says, we just read, don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. How can you test and discern what the will of God is if you don't know the will of God? Maybe it was the burrito you ate, and depending on how good the burrito it was, it may be a good will or a bad will. That's no way to test the will of God. You test it by being creatures of the word. Second Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God. And what? Profitable? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God, woman of God, may be complete, equipped for every good work do I need to say anything more? You want to grow in your faith in Christ? You want to grow to love one another? You want to grow in how to treat people? You want to grow in in knowing what God has for your life? Read the scriptures. Yes, there's some hard things in there and you'll be like, challenged, like, I don't want to give that up. But the Bible tells me I need to. We have to be creatures of the word i remember psalm 119 memorizing this as a a kid the the couple verses before it talked about how can a young man keep his way pure by storing up your word in my heart psalm 119 says i have stored up your word in my heart that i might not sin against you we have to be people of the word And the third thing i'm going to leave you with this how do we keep from drifting i wrote down marveling at the love of jesus marveling at the love of Jesus. Like, we have to mentally go there, we have to connect the dots, but connecting the dots in our mind of what, cry, of what God did for us in Christ should also lead our hearts in praise and in worship and in gratitude and thankfulness. And we just don't sit and marvel at the love of Jesus. We marvel at so many things. Game six, 2011, it was wonderful. A year ago from Friday, do you remember what happened on that day, sports fans? We won the cup. We won the cup. I've watched those videos over and over again. My kids are like, Dad, you're watching the Stanley Cup finals again? I'm like, yes, I've never seen this before. Makes me happy. But man, why don't we do that when it comes to Jesus? That we just sit and marvel at him. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Did you understand you were an enemy of God before your life in Christ? You were not a child of God. You were created by God, but you were not a child of God. You were an enemy of God. And you stood opposed to him and you rebelled against him and there was a price to be paid And even if it would cost you your life, it wouldn't be enough, Jesus. And so we sit in that moment and we're thankful, Jesus, you did it. And now I'm not just an enemy and I'm not just a friend of God. I'm more than a friend. I get the full inheritance. You get it all. Like John said last week, he who takes the Son takes it all. Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I love that verse. And then Ephesians 2, 4 through 7 says, but God. Before this, he's laying out our case that we stand opposed to God. He says, but God. Nothing you could do, but God. Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Can we sit in the presence of our God and marvel at him? Can we see the stars and give him praise and say, thank you, Lord. You're wonderful. When you grill up that steak just perfect, you seasoned it right, it's just perfect medium, not rare, not well done, you know, tasty, can you say, thank you, God? That it's not like the matrix where everything is a bowl of mush and it has no taste. Like, your taste buds are evidence of a good and gracious creator that he gave you this, and you don't like some foods, but there's some foods that you love. You didn't have to do that. Like, his evidence is all around us, and we miss it because we're so busy with our lives. And we're but a mist. To hit the pause button and sit in his presence. And I heard a pastor, Greg Surratt, say this one time. He says, what I do every morning when I get up is I tell myself you are deeply loved by the Father in Christ. And I'm telling you that. You are deeply loved Because you were a sinner, you were an enemy, now you're a friend, now you're a son, now you're a daughter. You are deeply loved by God in Jesus Christ. I'm going to end with this. When we lose sight of Jesus, we lose sight of everything important. Let's not ignore. The goodness and graciousness of our God. Let's not ignore His Word. Let's not ignore His church. Let's not ignore our community that desperately needs Christians to go out and love them where they are. And for you and I personally, let's marvel and sit at the feet of Jesus. Let's abide in Him. Let's pray. God, thank you, Lord, that you are such a God that created a way for us not just to punch our ticket to heaven, Father, (laughs) not just to live in heaven, God, but get the full inheritance with Christ. And Lord, it's nothing on what we have done based on what we can do or should do. It's based on what Jesus did for us. It's amazing, Father. I pray that you would help us guard our hearts and our minds and our very lives in drifting away and putting other things on the throne of our hearts. God, I pray that we would taste your goodness every day, that we would know we're deeply loved by you. And that would be the motivation we to cling to you, to fix our eyes on you. And Lord, by the help of your spirit, we'll persevere. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. We're thankful for him and all you've done. in his name that we pray. Amen.